This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 9, Episode 7. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of shows, brought to you by KSG Armory Holsters. Today is Friday, August 18th, as of the recording of this episode, and I am your host, Riley Bowman, and today I have with me our producer and co-host, Matthew Marister. Hello, hello. And the crowd goes wild. (laughs) Always for Matthew. Right, right. (laughs) Today, we have, I think, a fun episode. I don't know. We're going to talk about some stuff I think is interesting. Uh, We're calling this the five interesting and or silly industry trends. Some things that uh, Matthew and I were discussing, things that have been observed recently in the, I guess, the the quote-unquote industry. Uh, And I say quote-unquote industry because, well, what is exactly the industry? Uh, And I think pretty broadly when I use that terminology. Uh, If you like guns, you own guns, you carry guns, you shoot guns. Maybe you're not even really into guns, but uh, you, you know, I don't know, do other self-defense related things. To me, that feel all those things kind of feel like sort of part of the same same community, if you will. But uh, we're going to talk about five observations we've made about some uh, trends. Is about the only word I could come up with. Uh, and and so this will be, I don't know, maybe some of you will agree with us. Maybe you'll disagree. Maybe we'll bring up some things you hadn't even noticed or considered. Uh, either way, it should be an interesting conversation for today. So today's episode, by the way, is sponsored by CCW Safe, which is our choice for the best industry self-defense legal coverage. Please consider using them for your own protection and you can use the discount code CC Podcast to save 10%. And our Guardian Nation members uh, can save even, I think it's 20%. So please consider CCW Safe. And also, today's other episode sponsor is BarrelBlock.com. That's BarrelBlock with a K, B A R E L B L O K.com. And uh, that's the best, the safest, the most responsible option for dry fire practice consider using a barrel block today Uh, we'll talk some more about those here in a little bit but let's go ahead and jump right into the episode content so here's um i guess i'll go ahead and list them out uh these are the (laughs) five things that we're going to talk about today uh first is off-body carry uh and particularly we're noticing like a trend uh you know people carrying in fanny packs again which was like super hip and back in the 90s uh and maybe even in the early 2000s a little bit but uh uh yeah so that seems to be making a comeback and we're gonna also talk about this is the title i have training in full kit or die and i'll explain what i (laughs) mean by that also superior staccatos those, those the, the staccato or 2011 style pistols seems to be, uh, you know, really becoming popular, and also enclosed emitters or bust, and uh, and then finally we'll talk about what I'm calling here tribalism of thought. All right, so those are our topics today. So we'll just go through each of these one by one. Matthew, you're the one that brought mm-hmm. up the off-body carry thing, so uh, let's. Let's break that one down. Yeah, dude. Um, you kind of set it up with the uh, the fanny pack thing. But, you know, I, I've noticed, I just noticed this in probably the last, I don't know, year or two. A lot, maybe not even, I, I, I almost think that it has something to do with um, the enigma or these like somewhat like non-traditional holster carry um that isn't attached to a belt. So I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it has nothing to do with it, but it seems to kind of coincide, but I've noticed, you know, there was a time where if you even said, or, you know, even hinted that you might consider off body carry, you were like a pariah in like every circle <laughs> known to man. Um, but, um, in, I always, I, it was never my primary or something that I would say like, Hey, this is, this is the ideal way to carry a gun. 
um, especially, you know, certainly for women, um, concealed carry purses were pretty popular and because of their clothing, they might not typically wear belt and, and things like that. So off body care was always kind of like a little bit more, um, practiced, I think with, with women, but, um, men, I, I saw, you know, there were satchels and things like that, but it seems like in the past year or so, um, that, I've seen a lot more companies making concealed carry satchels, concealed carry um, like the fanny pack, um, bags, backpacks, all kinds of different things. And, um, you know, I, I was never super, uh, you know, I wasn't jazzed about off body carry, but it was, I wasn't like the hard line. I wasn't maybe like anti off body carry enough for some people. I was like, hey, it's probably, it's not something that I typically do. Um, you know, carry that way a method, but, um, if, if that's something that works for you and you've taken the proper precautions to, you know, to have something that's actually duty purpose for that. And it can, you know, it has a holster inside. You're not just chucking it in a bag, those types of things. Um, then, you know, if you can make it work, but it seems like that's kind of like a, I don't want to say a primary mode of carrying, but it seems to be very popular. So just something I saw. Um, I don't know your, your stance on it, but, um, I just thought it was interesting. Well, you know what, what I've noticed is, uh, and again, like you said, in recent history, in the last, in the, certainly in the last year, uh, a number of firearm industry, uh, influencers who on like Instagram and stuff been, you know, posting some content of them carrying a gun in, in a fanny pack. And I think, so the first thing is we got to ask the question, Okay, is this a firearm industry trend or is this a general fashion trend? Because, because I'll be honest, at first I didn't know. Like, I don't, I'm not paying it, you know, that close attention to what's going on in New York and Paris and, you know, like these, or, or <laughs> London, you know, kind of these hubs for like fashion and design and stuff like that, right? Uh, and because obviously, if this was more of just a firearm industry, fashion trend then that's no bueno right because like if suddenly we were like hey let's start throwing fanny packs on again and the rest of the world's like that dude that's so 1994 you know like <laughs> you're gonna stand out like a like a sore thumb um and uh so it t- turns out yes the fanny pack is back in which is so funny because i remember when you know, it was a thing you know way back uh in my childhood basically in my younger yeah, childhood and into the early, my early teen years. And so, um, in fact, funny little anecdote. Uh, this is like my one little embarrassing Riley moment. Uh, we didn't have like gaming consoles in my household, but there was a time when I had a, a Game Boy and I had the fanny pack for the Game Boy, like the official nice. like Game Boy, you know, fanny back fanny pack case or whatever that existed around that time and man I, that that i just remember thinking how cool that was <laughs> <laughs> Those were, man i I'll, I'll tell you my fanny pack story since you since you opened up um i remember <laughs> i i don't know if you guys remember this but like it was a windbreaker jacket that you could fold into itself and it had a fan like so it folded into a yes. fanny pack and then it had a little yes. clip and you and that was like, I thought I was like a transformer. I thought it was like super cool. <laughs> like, how do they come up with this stuff? And, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it takes me back. So, yeah, the fanny pack is back in. Uh, so, I, I'm amused by it. That's for sure. Um, you you touched on some points about just just talking about off body carry generally as an idea. Uh, I think it's a it's a it's a valid option. I don't think of it personally as a as a everyday concealment option because mm. i don't think it's ideal uh but but for some of you out there maybe that maybe you do maybe because of your personal lifestyle um circumstances environment that you find yourself in whatever and just the way you live your life uh it may be off body carry is your personal solution we'll have to figure that out for ourselves Obviously, off-body carry comes with some some drawbacks, um, and 
you know, as far as the access, the accessibility and the speed of access of the firearm security is an important one. You know, some things you've already noted and touched on, um, you know, there's drawbacks to carrying on your person too, which mostly uh, is a comfort thing. And then perhaps a concealment, you know, thing as well. Uh, but uh, definitely, you know, we're of the mind that on the body carry is, is, is more good, more better, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but, you know, as long as we're, uh, I guess not, because remember concealment's not just about hiding a gun on your person, but also like kind of disguising yourself. Like the way I'm dressed today is not ideal concealed carry, but I wasn't particularly concerned about it because I'm not going anywhere publicly. Yeah, I'm basically came straight here to the office for my house and back and, you know, and, and back again. Uh, and so I, I like to dress how I want to dress and, uh, you know, I'm wearing firearm trainers association hat and shirt. Uh, but if I was going out on a date, you know, it's Friday, you know, go on a date with my wife tonight. Uh, you know, I would dress in a manner that where my dress isn't a giveaway as to the fact that I'm a gun guy and I'm carrying concealed and that kind of thing. So here's what I would say with respect to off-body carry. Um, There are definitely bags and packs and satchels that are very tactical looking. And if that's your solution for concealed carry, guess what? It's not a concealed carry solution. You might as well be carrying openly because your bag or whatever is, is, is the giveaway. Like it's the same thing as... Hey, strapped a gun on my, on my hip. You know, I've got this super duper tactical bag with Molly all over it, you know, in multicam or something like, hello, gun guy probably has something inside of, of value. Um, and, and that's, that's important to consider. Like you might not think it's a big deal, but it can be a big deal. Uh, just the same reason when I was heavy into photography and doing like photography excursions and stuff, um, I gave some thought to the bags that I was carrying photography gear in because that's a high target item. It's very, you know, the photography gear is, is high dollar. It's expensive. Uh, and there's a huge secondary market for it. And there's plenty of stories of people being targeted, you know, having their photography bags, uh, backpacks, et cetera, taken from them um, because it's, it's a prime target. And so uh, just as it can be, if you, if you're rolling around with a pistol or a small uh, sub gun or uh, you know, folded up AR or something in your all tactical out, you know, Molly bag um, that's the same thing as carrying openly. So give that some thought. And then here's the other thing with respect to the fanny pack. So uh, if you're rolling around in a fanny pack, and you're also wearing the, you know, the the khaki cargo pants and uh, uh, plaid shirt and all this, you know, and, and like a, a hat with, you know, gun type or tactical looking logos on it. Um, the fanny pack is, is also a tell and a dead giveaway. Like nobody's going to be fooled by that. But meanwhile, if you're dressed in a fashionable manner, like that's consistent with how the in crowd is dressing right now while you're also carrying a fanny pack with your gun in it, that that'll probably blend in. So just give it, give that some thought. A fanny back, a fanny pack does not automatically mean you're hiding your gun. If the rest of how you're dressed is still tacked cool. So there's my, my thoughts on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just, my, as you were saying that I, my brain went to, you know, we say this a lot about like traditional carry or whatever with, with holsters. Um, The perhaps um, there has been a little bit better um, innovation as far as off body carry options, as far as, you know, accessibilities and accessibility and being able to, you know, mount a holster in there and things like that. So perhaps, um, you know, you, you have something that is, is more functional than it was four years ago when it was more of just a fanny pack and we happen to slip a, a gun in there and um, now it's more purpose built. So perhaps it's a little bit a better yeah. option than it was before. I'm glad you touched on that because that is an important consideration with respect to off-body carry is don't be just chucking ba- you know, guns in bags that aren't 
<laughs> designed for that or that you haven't planned for in some way. Um, yeah, just having a, a gun tucked away in, in a fanny pack is by itself not not a solution uh but uh having something that's purpose built maybe has a, a velcro panel in there with a holster attached or uh, or mounted to it in some fashion so that it's still one protecting trigger guard preventing inadvertent discharges um and that includes when you reach into the bag to grab the thing in the first place right don't don't it don't think that's that protecting the trigger and the trigger guard isn't only about protecting it from outside you know environmental uh uh factors but also about the fact that you're reaching into a pouch into a pocket into a bag and you yourself in if if that gun isn't exactly where you last left it uh there's a pretty good chance that as you reach for it you might actually inadvertently hit the trigger okay Mm -hmm. so make sure it's a, a a valid you know purposely built designed bag that you're using for your off-body carry it'd be where i'm going to leave this trend number two and i kind of put some of this in the more of like a silly category a silly trend um but i don't want anybody to get too offended by that because i know some guys take this kind of stuff seriously but here's what trend number two is training in full kit all right and what do we mean by that uh, kit meaning like, you know, you got you're, you're dressed to the nines as far as all the ta- all the tactical goodness. You got your battle belt on. You got your retention, your level two, level three safari land. You got your taco mag pouches, and then you've got your plate carrier with you know all the all all of that decked out. Pouches galore. You know, uh, uh, IFAC. Um, actual plates perhaps in the plate carrier, right? I mean, that's the point of a plate carrier, your radio, all this stuff, right? So a trend I've kind of seen, Matthew, is uh, that there's, I mean, this is not anything new particularly, but some of it I think is kind of this attitude within the community. Um, And I've observed it specifically in kind of some of the like online groups, Facebook groups, online forums, a little bit in social media, just in comments and things as people are conversing amongst themselves. But basically the attitude that, yo, bro, you ain't trained unless you're training a full kit, man. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, um, and, and I'm kind of amused by that. And like, so here's here's my attitude, Matthew, is that I'm mostly interested in being trained and prepared for the most likely scenarios and contexts that I will find myself in. Okay. And what that is, is, I mean, I, I, I'm a, I'm a 40 now. It's hard to say sometimes it's nothing new for you. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a now 40 year old, you know, so middle-aged uh, <laughs> father of five married, you know, living the suburban life. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm not training for world war three. Uh, and I'm not saying that's not important to learn some of those things and to practice that from time to time and to understand the tactics involved, but the context that's most relevant to me is what, um, what gets me home safely from, I mean, I'm here in the company office, what gets me home 12 minutes away to my house between here and there what protects me and my family and those I care about in and around my property at the grocery store, the gas station, the restaurant, take my hot wife to tonight for a date or whatever. Okay. That's what I'm most, that's where I'm most likely to need some, some sort of, you know, skills, a defensive related skills. Okay. Uh, but meanwhile, like I see, these groups of guys uh, that spend their weekends dressed up in all the tactical gear where, you know, wearing full kit as it was, as it would be described uh, running their ARs with low power, low variable power optics uh, with uh, even night vision. Sometimes uh, you know, helmets, every, you know, ballistic helmets, all that. Right. And like, and if you, if you, 
call that out as far as like, and I've, I mean, I've gotten in, involved in some in in some uh, discussions on this. Like, I remember to one guy, I said, "Yo, when's the last time that you, uh, you know, just practiced for the concealed carry type, you know, environment?" Oh, bro, like this is super important, man, because you never, you know, like the tyrants are trying to tear our country down, and like we're, you know, World War Three will be upon us before we know it. So we got to be ready for that when that time comes. And I'm like, hey, I'm not going to deny that this country has some serious props and that there's some there's some problem people out there for sure. And and that I mean, is it possible that we could find ourselves in a civil war or fighting against China or Russia or something like that? Sure, all of that is possible. But what is way more likely and way more relevant is the fact that on my way home tonight, I'm not saying this is the case because I already told you I'm going straight home. But if I had to stop at the gas station. And some dude, you know, tries to carjack me right then and there, you know, like that's way more likely than me needing to practice on a weekly or even monthly basis, small unit tactics, uh, you know, urban fighting in urban environments, CQB, all that stuff. Again, Mm -hmm. I want to be clear. I'm not saying that that stuff isn't important and I'm not saying like, I do think that how much is the question here, but should civilians at least have the option of knowing and understanding tactics that, you know, that are more of a war, a warfare type tactic? Yes. I think civilians have the right and privilege to be able to know and learn and study and train and practice that. But some dudes take it too far. And that's the trend I'm commenting on. Yeah. And, and, and I can see that. And like, I think, um, you know, as, as I think about this, I, there's, it's all about priorities. And, and for me, you know, I only have a certain amount of time to, to, to train. I only have a certain budget. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm 47, so I have, you know, a little bit, um, Getting close to that less. five Oh Mark. And <laughs> right. Almost. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, I have, you know, there are other things that I have, um, I have to divide up my time as, as I get older and, and like, so, um, yeah, I, I think that it's definitely something that if you, if you want to do that, certain, certainly if you're, if, if that's part of your job description, you have to do that. Of course, we're not talking about that, but like, I think for me, my only issue with it, I don't have a problem with people buying gear, training, doing whatever. But like when you ask them like, Hey man, like, why do you have all this gear? They never say, well, it's just fun. Yeah, like it's right. just fun to put it all on and like do the, you know, run through these classes. But yeah, like learning that stuff is good. And we all understand that, but no, it's, it's always like this noble, like, no, it, I, I'm not doing it for the fun factor. And it's like, come on, man. Like, sort of you are right like you gotta admit that some of it is just fun it's like we did that when we were kids and part of the reason why i wanted to go into the marine corps and be in the infantry was like i was like man that's cool like i i didn't know you know um and some of the stuff was fun like i i'm not gonna lie it's it was fun and um but so i don't have a problem i just think like just be honest and say hey man it's it's fun some of it like is a little overkill overboard like i probably won't ever you know be repelling so i don't need like all these like i don't need to buy like a 700 pair dollar pair of boots with like you know inner liner that won't wear down when i'm repelling and fast you know like fast roping and doing all this stuff but it's like if it's fun it's fun like just mm-hmm. when you have the money and you want to do it go for it man like i'm all for it yep yeah i mean we all have like our different interests and hobbies and stuff and and for some people i think that is i mean just like competition shooting for me is a very passionate hobby of mine one that at least coincidentally i think helps support uh certainly on the shooting skill side of my endeavors in concealed carry oriented protection um but it is a hobby and it's something i enjoy doing uh, and I think that there are definitely guys where like, get, you know, getting together with the boys on the weekend, dressing up in full kit and running around on, on a range or out in the hills and shooting, you know, shooting stuff up, uh, while they practice, you know, comms on the radios and small unit tactics and, and maneuvers and all that, like, cool. 
if, and if that's, I mean, if, if it's for, for fun and for like, a, that's, that's where you spend your money and your time as a hobby. Yeah. Be honest about that. And the cool thing is, yeah. Does it have some side benefits as well? Absolutely. I guess the only thing I'm saying is, is what's more likely you needing all of that stuff, all that kit, all that gear, uh, to, you know, survive tomorrow. Um, probably not. You're probably going to need something a lot more relevant to an everyday context. And so, yeah, be, be honest with yourself. So that's, that's all I got to say about that. Yep. Yep. Before we go any further, today's ep- first episode sponsor, as mentioned earlier, is CCW Safe. Uh, as you, as we mentioned, that that is our choice for the best in industry coverage on legal matters. Uh, if you want to learn something really fascinating, you can go to CCW Safe's uh, blog. You can look up uh, their whole series they did talking about the Stephen Maddox case. We've talked about it a bunch. We've had Stephen on the podcast before to share his story. And I know that that's not the only time that they've been involved in such things, but it's one of the most prominent ones. And to my knowledge, still the only uh, uh, self-defense case that actually made it all the way through to the end of a, in, in Stephen's case, successful acquittal verdict jury trial that was also covered by one of these types of programs and CCW safe stood by him all the way through all of that um, evidence of the fact they stand by their members, even in difficult cases. Speaking of which their national trial counsel, Don West and also Sean Vincent that works over there two very experienced guys. Um, Don West most, you know, best known as uh, one of the two attorney, two primary attorneys that defended uh, George Zimmerman and has also been involved in other high-profile cases. Don West will be teaching and doing a lecture together with Sean Vincent at our Guardian Conference in a month. Uh, so it, that'll be worthwhile. You'll want to be there. You should come to the, to the conference regardless, but you should look forward to coming and listening to Don share his wealth of experience and knowledge on the matter, as well as Sean Vincent over there at CCW Safe. Again, use the Discount code CC podcast to save 10% off a membership at ccwsafe.com today. Next trend, Matthew. Um, I'm going to throw it at you. I know I think this was one that I brought up, but uh, I think that you probably have seen some of this as well. I have this listed as superior staccatos or talk about the, you know, this, the, the rise of the, you know, the resurgence of the 2011 style pistol 2011 by the way for those that do not know is a trade trademarked name by the company that is now known as staccato uh and so their guns are known as 2011s everybody else technically by law to not avoid you know violate a trademark has to refer to theirs as double stack 1911s um but uh you know we we pretty colloquially use the term 2011 to mean double stack 1911 uh staccatos uh i I see them all over the place now yeah yeah i i think part of it is that 1911s and maybe even dasa guns uh steel frame guns are are kind of I don't know if they ever, t- I'm not saying they ever went away, but like kind of coming back into um, popularity in concealed carry for concealed carry um, in, in certain circles or, or whatnot. And, um, and certainly like the 1911 platform is well known. It's beloved. Right. And so um, when you get something that's like, oh, well, we have that, but now we have this like new and improved that, you know, and um, yeah, it's, it's better capacity, all kinds of stuff. Right. Um, they also, you know, do a very good job of um, of marketing and very like, um, you know, appeals to like a like, Hey, this is a duty gun. Like cops can use this. And this is, you know, it's very, it's very, it's not like, Hey, this is, this is your grandfather's 1911, you know, throw it in a holster. And, you know, um, so the marking's really cool, r- really good. And, um, 
and you know they're very popular and i'm not saying anything like i don't own one i my buddy owns one he loves it um uh, i know people that love them um but they're expensive and for me like you know shark tank like for that reason i'm out you know like i can't i can't afford that that high price of a gun but uh but yeah there certainly seems to be a very um uh an, the idea that the staccato is the superior 2011 or 1911 double stack 1911 um out there so yeah and, and really the the other thing is i mean it, it's become so trendy as of late that a lot of people i think i mean this, this is just my observation and this is me talking to you know friends of mine people in the industry i know cops um even some le dude or military guys uh, maybe not necessarily like thinking of it from a the ask you know the perspective of like carrying it you know obviously uh, the m17 and m18 are now the uh you know duty weapons of choice of the of the military now but um but a lot of folks you know i, I mean i had a friend just recently tell me yeah i'm, I'm gonna buy a 2011 it's like oh cool man you know like sounds good and i have no problem like I'm not going to judge anybody for buying whatever guns they want. Like that's the whole point of this being America and you have all kinds of options, like, you know, buy the guns that I guess that you like, that you enjoy that, uh, that you believe gives you the best performance, whatever it is, it's important to you. Uh, in his case, he's a pretty skilled shooter. So it's like, nice, man, like, cool. Enjoy, get a staccato, go shoot. I'm sure you'll do well. Right. But here's what, why I brought this up and why I even listed as one of these, you know, five industry in, interesting and silly industry trends is what I feel like I am seeing from time to time from certain people and from certain groups of people, Matthew is people feel like I got to go buy a, uh, you know, a 2011 or a staccato because like, that's the next thing that I need. Like that's going to help me get over, you know, the hump that I'm, you know, currently struggling to get over or whatever my skill, like the, the gun's just such a, you know, superior platform to, uh, the modern striker fired pistol, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's easier to shoot, uh, you know, better recoiling, better trigger, especially bigger, better trigger. Right. That's usually what I hear from people is, well, I just, you know, like it's such a great trigger, you know, and that's going to be a huge difference maker to my shooting ability, uh, which, you know, there's certainly something to be said for having a really good trigger on a gun, which by the way, the, the staccato trigger is not bad, but a real nice high end custom 2011 or 1911 has a way better trigger. Just saying anyway, <laughs> Um, but here's my concern, Matthew, is people spending two to $3,000, which by the way, is low end on the spectrum of 2011s out there in the market. And frankly, like, I mean, I know that Springfield came up with the prodigy and that, that kind of has introduced an inter interesting variable into the market, um, in that you know, Hey, here's a $1,400 double stack 1911, um, is, I think the jury's still out as to whether it's worth that or not. A lot of guys I know say they got to put about five to $900 into a prodigy just to get it to, you know, be reliable and to run the way they want it to run and to, you know, not have long-term issues and, and so forth. Really for a while now that the staccatos have been, you know, and they're about 20, 200 to $2,500 for, you know, the common 2011 style pistol that Staccato puts out. Um, that's kind of bare bones minimum of what you're going to have to spend to get a decently running, operating, reliable double stack 1911. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And beyond that, you're talking, you know, Nighthawk Custom, Wilson Combat, um, uh, chambers custom, et cetera, you know, a number of these like higher, you know, sort of mid-level to or semi-custom to full-on custom, you're talking four to eight grand for one of these guns, right? But anyway, a staccato's still gonna run you the better part of twenty five hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. And so the concern is is what's gonna make you actually better as a shooter? Spending twenty five hundred bucks on a staccato or 
spending $550 on a brand new Gen 5 Glock 19 or Glock 17 and then buying a you know a couple thousand rounds of ammo and then still having surplus out of that say $2,500 to $3,000 budget to then go take like three quality full-on you know like two-day classes with reputable instructors yeah and that's and what i just said there that's what's gonna honestly get you to where you want to be as a shooter not not the not the the staccato or the high-end 2011 yeah yeah i i think it just goes to me the whole question again just goes to like um what is the what is the motivation and what is the thought process behind doing that? And, and this isn't a question of like, you don't have the right to do this or anything. It's just something that I've learned is like, it's very easy to get caught up in like, Hey, this, this thing is going to make me a better shooter. or This is really cool. Even if it doesn't make me a better shooter, it just is cool. And it, it's, you know, I want it. And before you know it, like we're spending a lot of money on things rather than, maybe spending it on training or, you know, um, and, and so it, 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 again, I'm not saying that nobody has a right to do any of these things or anything. You certainly do just, it, just think it out loud. Um, you know, if you have a reason and, and then listen to like people that I don't know, you know, half of what you know about 1911s and, you know, someone like Brian Eastridge, we could get on here and he could, you know, put us to shame about all the things he knows, get with somebody like that. And if you're going to make a big purchase like that and say, Hey, you know, is this just marketing or, you know, what, what do I want to invest my money in? Should I get this or should I get that? And somebody who really knows what they're talking about, um, can, can help you tremendously. People will sometimes, you know, observe that, you know, I'm a pretty good shooter. Um, and I mean, I do, I do pretty well. Right. And we know that, um, most of my growth to getting to where I am as a shooter happened with bare bones, stock Glock 17 and 19s over the period of about 2016 to 2019. That was most of that growth, most of that learning that occurred, skill development, all of that happened with bone stock Glocks. And so, and, and like to this day, I don't know a 2011. I mean, I wouldn't turn one away. And I've certainly thought about like, hey, that'd be kind of cool, you know, to have one of those and play around with it, but not any in, in any serious uh, capacity for me. It's just, it's like, yeah, okay, you know, if, if, if number one, the price is right, the money is right. Like I've got the money and, uh, um, you know, that the stars align basically, but otherwise, you know, bone stock Glock pistols is where most of my hard work was, you know, my, where I cut my teeth. And then I moved over to, to, you know, run the SIG P three twenties. And, and for a while there too, my SIGs were stock, you know, and, and, and I mean, I, I ran a, a stock P365 for a good while as a everyday carry piece. You know, I, I can get good work done with that gun, too. It's a very capable <laughs> gun for its size. So point is, is um, the, the trend here we're commenting on is the tendency for people to spend a bunch of money because, I mean, Two thousand to three thousand dollars on a single gun is that's not small change. Uh, that or buy a bunch of ammo and training. I would take the second thing. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. Today's other episode sponsor is Barrel Block. Barrel Block is a simple polymer device you insert through the chamber of your gun. It goes all the way down the barrel and out out the muzzle end. You can trim it to your custom length, whatever you desire, based on whether it's a three, uh, what a three point one inch P three sixty five or a five point two five inch you know Glock thirty four or whatever. You can you can trim that barrel block to what you need. Have a visual indicator that in fact the barrel block is installed. 
and conduct yourself safely and responsibly in dry fire practice. These are used by law enforcement and military uh, organizations and agencies across the country, throughout the world, even in some in some cases, some of them are using them for you know, conducting themselves in tactical training as far as practicing tactics, movement through structures, room clearing, building clearing, et cetera, et cetera. So they can go through that in a safe manner, in a safe environment with no possibility of rounds entering the chamber and being able to be discharged. In fact, it was just yesterday that there was an incident in Phoenix where a federal law enforcement officer shot another a fellow officer in a training exercise. And I saw just today, Matthew, uh, that down in California, a Marine was uh, shot um, mm-hmm. uh, during uh, uh, low light or over, you know, nighttime training. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that was, I didn't see exactly if that was at Pendleton or somewhere else, but it was, I know I saw it pop up today on my newsfeed. So, mm-hmm. so accidents and training happen, unfortunately, way too frequently than they should. And, Barrel block is, I mean, it's not the only way, but it is a great way to ensure that particularly doing, during some of these, uh, you know, more dry fire oriented thing, uh, you know, practices and trainings, if you want to avoid having mistakes and accidents occur, consider using a barrel block today, barrelblock.com. That's right. All right, let's get to, we got two more things here and. Not too much time here. So, um, enclosed emitters or bust. So, this is the next trend. Um, I'll introduce it and throw it back over to you, Matthew. Uh, So, you know, red dots already, I think some people probably still even to this day think are a trend. I guess guess you could say it's a trend. Um, Some think of red dots on pistols still being a fad. And I don't think that's the case. I think the evidence is pretty solid that red dots are not going away um, on pistols. I think they are here to stay. And th- that technology is only going to further uh, continue to evolve and get better and, um, in, in, in a lot of probably very interesting and exciting ways. You know, I, I, I can't wait to see what, you know, what we're going to find on top of pistol slides in 10 years from now, 20 years from now, it's going to be probably really, really fascinating. Um, but, uh, the, the trend I'm talking about here is this attitude. And I, I see it quite commonly in some of the, you know, like when, when, especially when serious gun guys are talking about red dots on pistols, there's a lot of them where the attitude is, I ain't putting it on my gun unless it's an enclosed emitter. And what do we mean, mean by an enclosed emitter? What they really mean is that the the window of the uh, the, the window and the emitter, okay, the window is the reflector actually, right? Because you have an emitter that emits the the red or green light that then bounces off of the glass of the the actual optic window and then bounces back to your eye where you perceive this red or green dot. Um, an enclosed optic is the one where all of that, the emitter, the window is completely enclosed and encased within a box um, that's sealed. Uh, and the idea there being that, you know, it's harder to, like, you're not going to get dust, dirt, mud, water, snow, etc. you know, debris in t- to where it can interfere between emitter and glass and eyeball. Uh, mm-hmm. and so the attitude that, Hey, I, I ain't touching it. I ain't putting it on my gun unless it's a enclosed emitter optic on my pistol. And I understand like, there's definitely some, some strong, you know, reasons mm-hmm. to have an enclosed emitter. And I think it's a great idea, especially for very, very serious users in, you know, that, that are care- especially carrying openly when I'm talking right. about police and, and, and military, uh, but, you know, obviously the police are the ones we're going to see the most examples of, especially on the streets. I think a enclosed emitter is a good idea uh, yep. in, in those kind, especially if it's an environment where you are exposed to the elements on a regular basis. Uh, hmm. So, but my opinion on this is I don't think it has to be a this or that meaning I ain't putting an optic on my gun unless it's an enclosed emitter. Uh, hey, I'm running an open emitter, meaning 
my window, the glass, the emitter itself, that that's all exposed. Can it get obstructed? Can there something get in there? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. But my context yeah. is very different than say a, a street cop. Your yeah. thoughts? Yeah. I think that's, that's the, that's the key. Um, that's just the key question is w- what is the purpose in, you know, if you want to, certainly you can over-engineer something or you could go like, Hey, you know, I might not need it, but you know, um, I'd rather get this because if I do carry it openly or whatever that, I mean, you, you can make that argument for anything. Um, but I think the, the, the big question is just like, okay, are you going to carry this concealed? All right. Um, are, are, do you carry it openly? Okay. Are you carrying it for duty purposes? Are you likely to, you know, if, if it's in a, duty holster, you get in a fight, you're rolling around, debris gets caught in there, whatever. Like you you can think of a whole bunch of different scenarios of why you might want an enclosed emitter. You could also just say, Hey, it's more robust or, you know, I don't have to worry about this or that. And it just gives me a peace of mind. If that's your thing. Awesome. Um, But like, just because you see somebody review it and say, you know, this is the most you know, bulletproof thing that you can possibly put on your gun. It, it if it's going to cost double the, you know, the, the amount you're going to pay on for something else. And, you know, you're questioning, should I buy this or, you know, go get some training or get a better holster or whatever it might be. The, 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 you know, the answer is simple, you know, um, look, look to what is, what, what do you need, um, for the purpose you you're, you're using it for. And then how can I, you know, use that money to better, you know, uh, get a better holster, get more training. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to throw this in there because it's, it's on, it just popped in my head. Like I had a, a, a guy come up to me, um, at church a, a little ways back and he was like, Hey man, my, my back is hurting me. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how to carry my gun and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, let me see your belt. That was the only thing I said, let me see your belt. And he had a normal belt. And I'm like, I go out to my car. I had a, I had a, like a, a more stiff gun belt and I'm like, take this, try it out. And he, like two weeks later, he comes up to me and he's like, man, thank you so much. You know, and it was just something simple like that. So I guess what I'm saying is like, some sometimes we're looking for like to spend a lot of money on gear because it's going to make us better, more comfortable or this or that. And it's, it, it, it's overkill and you might not need it. And maybe you, you, you look to something else. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So. I guess to wrap that one up again, uh, you know, one of the big advantages of the enclosed emitter, especially if you're a concealed carrier, uh, it, the, the number one thing I have to deal with with respect to my optics on my carry guns is I get, you know, lint, lint and, and mm-hmm. clothing fibers and, and hair even, you know, like for my, you know, I'm, I'm a human, I shed, you know, it, it, it's a thing uh, that get in and usually the, it, it just kind of, you know, collects in the actual optic window itself. Now, I haven't found it to get so bad that I can't actually use the optic. It's maybe distracting to use it, but I'm not that worried about that because I think in a in a in a gunfight, like I'm gonna draw and I'm gonna be like, well, there's the red thing, my red dot, you know, <laughs> and put it on target and press trigger. And even if the window is a, is slightly obscured by some lint or whatever, like it's like, so what? Uh, I should be shooting two eyes open anyway, so I can see the threat, see the target, and see a red dot superimposed on it. It's not going to make one difference to me either way. But enclosed emitters do have the advantage that they are a little bit easier to clean. Like, you can just wipe off, you know, the back glass or the front glass if you have to. Um, I do, you know, keep, and this is a good uh, tip for all of you that do carry red dots on your on your pistols. Um, they're going to collect some some stuff in the window. Um, I regularly blow it out. Sometimes I I can use compressed air, like what you would use to spray your keyboard with, you know, or compressed air of a, like in our shop where we make holsters, they have, we have a compressor that's always hooked up and I can blast it out really quick. Sometimes I just blow in there with my mouth and probably about once a week, I use a Q-tip with some rubbing alcohol and I'll actually 
clean the optic window itself. Uh, and that, you know, works great. And you can apply a little bit of, um, cat crap is one product or Z clear is another product, which are anti-fogging, um, uh, anti, anti-static agents that help, you know, keep that, that window, uh, cleaner, clearer, uh, and also, um, keep it from fogging and, and help, uh, you know, water from like, um, it, 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 uh, it's sort of like, what do you call it? Uh, rain X for your wind, you know, windshield, but rain X for your optic. So there you go. One final, uh, thing here to discuss, and that is tribalism of thought. Uh, and what I meant by this is that and I think this is true. I think this is like a general societal and cultural problem, Matthew, that we're becoming more and more divided uh, in our various, you know, whether it's political party, whether it's communities, whether it's whatever, ideologies, uh, 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 theologies, etc. It seems that we're just becoming more and more and more tribal. Uh, and particularly the thing I'm talking about here is this attitude of, and I, we've touched on a little bit already in this episode of it's this or it's that, you know, it can't be both. No way. Like, and I'm in this camp and you're in that camp. Uh, and this, this is true with respect to talking about tactics or styles of shooting, meaning like defensive oriented training or competition oriented training. It's like, well, you're a competition guy and I'm a defensive guy or vice versa. Like these two things are incompatible and like, that's not true at all. And so, mm-hmm. That's the, that's the final trend I want to talk about today is this attitude I've been seeing, and it's been going on for a while, but it just seems like it's just worse and worse all the time, of tribalism in thought and in training in the firearm industry. Yeah, man, this is like, dude, this this stretches into every aspect of our lives, right? Like, um, and I I I tend to be a very black and white person. Um, at least in like how I view what I do in my life, you know what I mean? Like how I'm going to, what, what drives me, I, I, my tendency, and I've been told this by several people, like you see the world kind of black and white, but I also have worked really hard and, and, um, it's not always easy because it's not my nature, but to see people and, and actually listen to what they're saying and understand like, Hey, I might disagree with you 100%, but like, I can still talk to you. I can still be kind to you. And I can, and I think the problem is, is like, we've lost the ability to kind of just like disagree and like make our case without trying to shut the other person down. So it's like, uh, yeah, you can have your opinion. and, And I hope that you believe in that opinion, like that you're not just spouting off, you know, what you heard, five minutes before and you believe that what you're saying, but like, I think when it comes down to like these things like tactical shooting versus competitive or self-defense versus competitive or close emitter versus this, or, or whatever it might be like 1911 versus plastic, you know, Tupperware crap or (laughs) whatever it is, you know? And it's like, man, like that's like, you might in your own mind say, this is, I'm black and white on this. And this is why I'm picking a 1911 or a clock or whatever, but like you got to at least be able to engage people and bring them into the fold and talk to them and say, Hey man, I see you're, you're using a 1911. That's not like, I'm not a big fan of 1911s. Why don't you tell me why do you like 1911s? And, and, you know, listen to them and, and be able to, to, to communicate with people. I think it just makes us stronger. It makes us be able to, um, help each other and less like, because I think the more you push somebody away and you, you just draw that line in the sand, the less ability they have to critically think because they're like, well, I, I I have to stick to my guns now. And so like, I'm not even going to think about their point because I don't want to be wrong. And so it just divides us. And, and I just think, um, it doesn't do anybody good in any, in anything. Yeah. It, one of the other things, it's also, I think, a failure or an inability to see the the nuance in a lot of these things and to see the gray areas and to see where there's crossover. You know, um, there's so few things in life that are black and white. There's so few. I'm not saying they don't exist, 
but there there are few of them. Uh, there's it's almost always you know spectrums, if you will, of of you know like on the far end it's this, and on the other far end it's this, but then there's all this other stuff in the middle. Um, and that's where honestly the rubber meets the road and that's where the work gets done is, is in the middle. Uh, and I mean, there's just in talking about, um, you know, whether it's tactics or competitive shooting or whatever, like there's so much nuance there. Um, and there's so there's, there's actually, frankly, there are more things that are, uh, that are shared, that are common between some of those different, you know, supposed uh, opposing um, views or concepts. There's more things in common than there's what's different typically. Like it's even true uh, when we just talk about who we are as Americans, like even when it's like Republican versus Democrat or whatever, like there's way more things that we have in common as people, as Americans than what differentiates us. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, just how, even talking about men and women, like we are way more similar in so many areas as men and women than we are different. You know, um, even though we are different, there's no doubt about that, but it, it's just see what I'm getting at. And so we need to be careful and try to avoid um, thinking in absolutes and making absolutist statements um, in being tribal in our in our thoughts in um and also in you know like assimilating ourselves into these these groups where you know at the exclusion of everybody else uh we will be far stronger as a second amendment community or industry if we try to lump us all together uh, where possible and unite on all the the common issues that exist, which there are so many, instead of mm-hmm. dividing ourselves up into these these little tribes, it's counterproductive and it's not a winning strategy uh, in terms of just who we are as human beings. And it's not a winning strategy in terms of preserving the Second Amendment. Agree, man. Agree, totally. So any final words from you? No, I mean, and, and look, if, if you're listening to this and we happen to hit, like, I know somebody coming, like he, as a gadget guy, it's hard not to buy the shiny new thing, red dot. Um, I did take a class ago, uh, weeks ago and brought some ammo on sale. And it's like, if, if we happen to hit on one of your things, we're not picking on you. It's not, it, these, this is just a conversation. We don't script this stuff. We're having a conversation just like if we were sitting down and, and over, you know, some food and, and saying, Hey man, this is what I think about this. And I like kind of how you ended that topic that you ended it with or little point, because it, at the end of the day, it's just our opinion. It is, you know, I look, if you want to carry a staccato in a, you know, off body carry with, uh, with all kitted out. And like, <laughs> if you take all of these and just go opposite of what I said, man, I don't, I don't have any ill will towards you, man. You know what I mean? Like, um, it, it's just an opinion and you know, we're, it's just, we just, we happen to have the, the mics and, and yeah. we're sharing our thoughts and, um, and we're happy to hear, hear people's thoughts. And if you have comments, you know, leave them in there, but we, it's a dialogue. And, and at the end of the day, think about what you're doing, why you're doing it and, uh, and, and do the best you, you know, with, with the information you have. Yeah, you're spot on. It is it is just a dialogue, and like in a broader sense, like we should have dialogue uh, between all of us um, and have you know discussions about things and and talk about you know where we do disagree and be willing to talk about dis, you know disagreements um, in a productive, respectful manner. That's something I think. For, that's actually something I think that leads us further to tribalism in all aspects is when we refuse to actually talk you know, talk about the commonalities and about the differences. But so many people in today's world, I think, Matthew, would rather run away from from conflict and like, well, that's a hard conversation to have, and I just would rather not have it. Um, and, and I understand that. Um, and so, hey, and, and while we're at it, I want to go ahead and preview something we have coming up. Uh, Matthew and I were just, you know, talking about this the other day, and we, uh, it, it, and, you know, speaking of opinion and, uh, and a lot of what we talked about today was just to present, you know, 
ideas. And I also think to encourage people to ask questions, ask questions about, especially about yourself and what you currently hold and believe to be true. You know, and if there's something we said that like resonates with you, either in a positive or negative way, like it's good to use as an opportunity to be like, what do I truly think about this? And, you know, Riley made a good point or Matthew made a good point. Like I hadn't really considered that. And it's like you become better, smarter, stronger, more well-rounded when you um, ask these questions of yourself. But what I wanted to preview, Matthew, is that uh, coming up, we we actually want to start a series of podcast episodes where we actually, uh, I'm going to call it myth bust the common like shooting fundamentals and what is commonly thought about uh, foundational shooting skills. And so uh, stay tuned for that. Cause I think some of those discussions will be good uh, spicy conversations, you know, that will challenge thought and uh, um, you know, maybe uh, help some of you change your minds or maybe who knows in the process, maybe we'll change our minds about things. You never know. <laughs> We might either we might lose viewer or listener, <laughs> we might gain. Who knows? But that's what we're going to do, I guess. Yeah. So stay tuned for that, guys. It's been another uh, episode, great episode, Matthew. Thank you for your time today. And uh, today's episode sponsors were CCWSafe.com and BarrelBlock.com. Thank you for your support of our sponsors and for your support of this podcast. And without further ado, we will bid you adieu. Until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Mm -hmm.